Hey there, this is uh, Kaylee Kunkel. I'm the marketing director at Hyperbrands, and I'm joined by Gil. Gil, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. My name is Gil. I'm the founder of Hyper, um, a 42-year-old man stuck on Instagram trying to figure out what the 21-year-olds want. <laughs> uh, let's see what we come up with. Yeah, so just a little background on us. Hyperbrands is one of the leading influencer marketing platforms. Uh, we work with brands and agencies to help them you know, discover, analyze, manage, connect with uh, influencers. So we're taking a look at the Influence Weekly uh, for July 19th. So we're just going to dive right in here. So how YouTube stars are using Instagram's Instagram TV as a testbed. So Gil, what, what are your thoughts on this? So I think it's interesting. They, the story um, talks about how Instagram TV, which is Instagram's attempt to compete with YouTube on long-form content, turned out to be a channel for the famous big YouTube stars to test out their their. Their content. So if you, if you aren't posting specific types of content on your main channel because it's focused on something else, you can try it out on Instagram. You already have an audience there and it's less risky. I think it's not really what Instagram had in mind and it's probably not a good situation for the influencers either because right now YouTube doesn't really have a lot of competition in the long form video space and competition um, drives uh, value for the consumers in this case the creators and what we're seeing is that Insta that YouTube is taking a lot of liberty with taking away their freedoms, demonetizing videos and a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's nowhere else to go. Um, so I think if I were an, uh, a YouTuber, if I were an, uh, uh, a creator with a lot of followers, I'd focus on diversifying my channels and not just using one as the prioritized channel. Cool. I agree. I agree completely there. Um, so moving right on here, so cheeseboard inspiration is new Instagram food trend. It was hard to read this one over the lunch hour and not want to just eat a bunch of cheese. But uh, as our kind of our office uh, token millennial New Yorker, one of several actually, I, I found this article to be very relevant. Um, I've actually got a few friends in the cheeseboard trend themselves. Um, but I think this quote really resonated. You know, uh, these New York millennials in particular are definitely looking to put down the phone yet still stay connected digitally. I think it's very true. And one of the things that we see time and time again in these these types of articles is that call for authenticity. People are getting tired of seeing the same old, you know, Instagram aesthetic. And it really comes down to, you know, how can, how can brands and agencies find the right influencers who actually have that that reach. Um, so some of the metrics of Hyper that we've kind of been developing from scratch would be, um, you know, audience health is one of them. Looking at, you know, the number of uh, real versus fake followers uh, using, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning to gain insights about, um, you know, the probability that an influencer has real or fake followers. Um, we saw that big article come out last week about 50% of UK followers uh, having, you know, or uh, influencers mm -hmm. having fake followers. So it's a big it's a big topic of conversation here at Hyper. I'd like to point out that I've been in the cheese board business for about 40 years. <laughs> uh, I think it was August of 1979 where I first came across the hard cheese and it was love <laughs> at first sight. So Expert. these millennials don't have a uh, monopoly on this, but I think what they've done with this um, has been um, finding a topic that really unites a diverse group of people and that allows you as a content creator to really get a breadth of audience and breadth of response. As you know, as you mentioned, Kaylee, one of the things that's really important as an advertiser when you think about these channels is who are these people? Like, you know, can I use a platform to identify 
who are these people? Yes, it's nice to say that these are millennials. I guarantee that if we analyze these accounts, we'll see that not all of them are millennials. Yeah. And there are some people who uh, have been in the cheese business for a while. <laughs> Absolutely. And also this comment here about um, more niche accounts getting attention. I, I relate to this completely just being a consumer of Instagram. I've got friends who are, you know, Disney millennial influencers, and that's very specific. I've got friends who are LGBTQ event planners, and that's very specific. So I think uh, it's it really does become a question of how to find those people in those areas and, you know, platform with a big database, but also a lot of filtering tools can really help with that. Yeah, and I think it's one of the things that really defines uh, this generation, which is the abundance of options and the custom fit. I, I foresee a day where, you know, you know, even your lunch will be custom made to your DNA and to what's healthy for you. And if you have any sensitivities, um, then your meal will be made exactly right for you. And the same thing with influencer, with content in general, not just influencer content. You know, we have so many more options. And um, it's great for advertisers because it means that your money doesn't have to go to waste on an audience that's not going to be interested. If you're targeting an LGBTQ audience, then um, you will um, find channels that reach exactly that audience. Yeah, exactly. I actually got a targeted ad this weekend for vitamins that are based uh, on your DNA. <laughs> so you start with a DNA swab, and then they create right. a custom vitamin pack for you. Kind of I'm just proud of you for remembering that you got the, the, the content of the ad. <laughs> that's so yeah. rare today. I yeah. know. Um, cool. So next up on the newsletter, we've got a lot about VidCon. Um, neither Gil or I attended, but there's a lot of yeah. insights here. Yeah, I, I have this, you know, hyper's perspective on the industries that influencers are a commodity. So VidCon to us has always been like a commodity celebration uh, in that um, the same people might not be there next year. <laughs> um, the life cycles of these influencers are very short and they're easily replaceable a lot of the time. And one of the things that, um, you know, reading the comments came out is that there's a lot of competition, something that wasn't there before in the live streaming space, in the short form video space, in the disappearing messages space. And I think that's good for influencers. I think this situation we are right in right now where 70% of influencer marketing happens on Instagram, almost all of the rest happens on uh, YouTube is temporary. And we're already seeing um, companies like Twitch and YouNow and um, TikTok threatening um, to take chunks out of that. And I think if you look down the road, we'll see influencers in a lot of more diverse platforms. And again, that's going to be good for us as marketers because it gives us an abundance of options. It gives us the ability to price discriminate and to make choices that reach the right audiences. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually a cousin of uh, Jojo Siwa, who's a mm -hmm. major YouTube vlogger, uh, pop star. <laughs> and she she actually was just listed on Time's top 20 uh, most influential people on the internet this year, which was fascinating. Um, was that two places ahead of me, I think? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a shout out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's, you know, she's, she's built her following with mainly, you know, the young, the young, young generation. Um, who, you know, they're avid followers of her on YouTube and also some of these other video streaming services. But you see these kids with, maybe, Gil, you've seen your kids do this, where they yeah. grab the, the video camera and say, hey, guys, it's me, and they're recording their own, you know, unboxing videos of their oh, toys. Aton yeah. started camp today. My son, he's eight years old, and uh, one of the, they get to choose classes. One of the classes is starting your own YouTube channel, which I think is really cool because um, finally wow. somebody else will have to help him with his YouTube videos instead of me. <laughs> um, Shout out to the Aton Fun and Cool channel. And um, I think, you know, it's really interesting, though, with JoJo. She's amazing, and she's, she's, she's done such a great job of, of 
building her uh, presence. But then we see people like Cameron Dallas and Nash Greer and uh, mm-hmm. Austin Mahone and other and, and other people that were, were just as big. And, and sometimes they survive and like blow up and sometimes yeah. they just disappear. Yeah. Um, and hopefully she's, I think she's got the personality to stick around. Um, but yeah, influencers, in, in, the influencer business in general is a risky business. You don't know when it's, when the next cool thing is going to pop up and people are going to start forgetting about you. Yeah, absolutely. Which brings us to one other thing, which, uh, in business insider says, you know, in VidCon that, um, people are asking influencers for advice. They all said this, this very expected answer of be authentic, which I, I always kind of smirk when I hear because, um, you know, the be authentic is great. What if you don't have such a great personality? What if your authenticity isn't that exciting? And I, I think you just need to be different. If you really think about um, this world, the people who are going to stick around are the people who have staying power. And they have staying power because they offer something that others don't. You could be an amazing influencer about chess. And you might be around for years because no one else is as interesting about chess. And you might be smaller than you would be if you just showed your personality. But just being authentic and being another one of a thousand or 10,000 or a hundred thousand girls who post, you know, makeup uh, videos, a very small amount of them is going to, are going to stand out. The others are going to disappear no matter how authentic they are. Yeah. So you really have to stand out somehow and it has to be by being a bit different. Yeah. And I actually read this interesting uh, thing from, you know, Emma Chamberlain. She's kind of hailed as like the authentic kind of Gen Z yeah. influencer right now, but she actually spends 70 hours a week or something crazy like that editing her videos. So even that authentic, you know, vibe takes a lot of work. And it's interesting. <laughs> you would think that they, that you would make enough money to pay somebody else to do it. Yeah. Like, even the big guys don't make <laughs> well, that much her, money. it's her personal brand, you know, she's got her style and yeah. stuff. So let's talk about this article that uh, was in the industry news about influencer marketing statistics that prove why it works, and it's from Trust Insights. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, Yeah. Oh, and this is by Jay Bear, who's an amazing influencer marketing content creator. Um, So obviously, Google Trends show growth in influencer marketing. You have to be blind not to recognize that. You You don't need Google Trends to know. And the first point that he brings up here is that we trust people like us more than just about anyone. And I think, you know, that kind of makes sense. I mean, you think about it. How did you decide which movie to see the last time you went to see a movie? You probably either spoke to somebody who, you know, is friends with you who told you that's a great movie. Or maybe, you know, you read reviews or maybe you heard about it somewhere. You probably didn't um, watch a commercial that said, hey, you should watch this movie and say, oh, I, I, I should. Though that sometimes, you know, if the preview is really, really exciting. Yeah. Same thing about which restaurants you eat in. Same thing about iPhone or Android. It's just the way we make decisions today and, and we trust uh, other people's opinions way more than other marketing channels. Yeah. Maybe that's at the foundation of influencer marketing. Yeah, it's very true. I was really pulled to this statistic. 61% of people now find information from, quote, a person like me to be credible or very credible. I mean, it makes sense. It's, it's not a shocking statistic, but I think about even just purchases I made this weekend. Um, I bought a bunch of makeup from a web, uh, makeup website, Glossier, and um, I didn't buy from them until I saw some content created by a customer who had created a My Daily Beauty Regimen video or a series of photos, and that was actually what caused me to add all those products to my cart. But, I mean, I've been targeted by this brand forever, never bought anything until I really did see that kind of peer interaction. So definitely living the reality of this statistic here. Also, yeah. relatability, more important than popularity, I mean. I mean, that's something we always say. Don't mistake fame for influence. Yeah. 
Um, people who go, you know, people still, it's amazing to me, people kind of look at follower count and engagement and say, oh, this is a person who's going to sell my product. And really, the question is, what happens to context in all this? If you're going to sell a book about how to be a great poker player, are you going to sell it through Justin Bieber? Are you going to sell it through someone uh, who's an expert poker player who only talks about poker, whose audience follows them because they believe they're an expert Yeah, we Hyper, we always talk about the Kate Upton example. She was a big spokeswoman for Bobby Brown and some other mm. makeup beauty companies. But when we take a look at her uh, profile in our Hyper uh, database, we actually see that more than 60% of her audience is male with top interest in, you know, NFL, sports, um, humor. So really not anyone who seems to be interested in makeup. So She's not really a category expert in makeup when you think about it. Right. She doesn't have the right audience. And then number three is really category experts. You want to find those people. So it may make more sense to spend, you know, one hundredth of what you would spend on Kim Kardashian to get the person who does her makeup right. to talk about why they choose which makeup, and, and and you'll get much better content, much more attention. It'll be unique, and you're probably not going to bother. You're not going to have anyone in the audience who cares about anything but makeup, because who else would follow that? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And this this is compounded by the fact that trust in brands is anything but universal. Um, we all know that already. We see big brands shuffling and struggling when we see smaller brands. Um, that are identif- not necessarily a household name, but they're able to ride a trend or yeah. have a value proposition that is appealing to a younger generation, steal their lunch. And we see, we've seen this with mattresses, we've seen this with shaving, and we see it everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Which my favorite uh, one is number five. 74% of consumers are dodging brand messages. This is, this is why I complimented you earlier about remembering the ad that you saw, because I think yeah. I read somewhere... The average person sees about 15,000 ads a day, or um, if you're, they're your age, they block about 15,000 ads a day, either yeah. mentally or uh, <laughs> through an ad blocker. Right. Um, and it's it's gone ridiculous. I mean, we, we have some, some of the biggest news sites in the world today now have 40 or 50 ads on the homepage. How much are they expecting us to consume? And, and if you think about how it happened, it, you know, they used to have one, and then... Um, they started making less money, less people were clicking, and they said, why don't we just put two on? And then, yeah. why don't we make it stick in your face? We'll make it hard to close, and we'll make yeah. four on. And and, and so we got to this, this yeah. point where, if I ask people here now, without cheating, you've all been on the internet, close your eyes, what's the last ad that you saw? Um, statistically, only about 2% of you will remember the ad. You won't remember the brand. Um, and if you do, you'll remember because it somehow has something to do exactly with what you happen to be talking to someone about or looking for. <laughs> so you'll be often be annoyed. It's and creepy. so so it means that um, traditional channels don't work the same way on this new breed of people <laughs> that are um, have evolved beyond susceptibility to ads. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So we were also asked to talk about some things that we didn't see, um, you know, shared in the, the yeah. newsletter this week. So, Gil, is there anything you want to share? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, you know, I love this article by Jade, but it's still missing to me the one thing that brands should really want to see, which is traditional metrics that show that influencer marketing can compete with other marketing channels. Um, you know, at Hyper, we strive to focus on CPMs, CPCs. How do we ensure that your campaign is actually effective? And I almost feel like the industry has this fear, this innate fear of testing against other channels because what if we discover that influencers don't produce the same revenue? Or mm-hmm. you know? And the truth is, you know, in our testing is that they, they can produce far better results if, they, if it's done correctly, if you choose the right ones, if you activate them, if you quickly 
move away from the ones that aren't effective, if you ensure there's no fraud, all those things that, um, as a marketer, you have to do, um, then influencers can be extremely effective. Um, and if you don't do it, they'll be far less effective. And, and, and I think the challenge is that a lot of marketers are really concerned that if they of what they'll find if they open this box. It's like a Pandora's box of, wait a second, this isn't generating the same revenue. And I think 2019, maybe 2020, we'll start seeing statistics that prove um, my thesis, I think, that um, it can be far more effective, more and more common. And I think marketers should start demanding that. And, and we'll see it in more and more publications and newsletters. Yeah. Something else, too, is uh, we did some uh, research survey uh, with some of our clients um, at Hyper, we identified um, the top challenges that brands and agencies are facing with influencer marketing. I just thought it'd be cool to share with you guys some of those insights before we kind of share them widely. Um, the first thing was uh, the top challenge across the board was identifying and discovering influencers that fit my brand. That's considered the most challenging thing. Um, the second is measuring influencer performance. I think it begs the question of, you know, is it just that we don't, they're not using the right tools in place to really see uh, the performance or do they not know what to track? You know, what are the right KPIs that they should be looking at? And like you say, Gil, with other, you know, marketing channels as a, as a marketer myself, you know, it's typically a pretty specific set of KPIs you're looking at. And that is a little bit different with influencer marketing just due to the nature of the platforms being used and things like that. Um, the third challenge here is managing relationships with multiple influencers over long periods. Again, really needing to find automation tools to make that an easier, easier, uh, easier thing. And onboarding micro-influencers at scale is number four. Um, so pretty interesting, some of those insights. Um, it kind of was in line with what we hypothesized about the industry, yeah. but it was still good to see it uh, kind of made official. And brands and agencies had very similar challenges that they shared. Um, then we asked some specific questions of, of our survey uh, audience. For example, how, uh, what percentage of people need to approve every piece of content before an influencer posts it? Uh, what we found was that the majority of respondents want to be able to approve content. Not a huge surprise. Um, another question was the identity of the influencer isn't as important as the results they produce. Um, what was interesting is that people were pretty split here. Um, yeah. This suggests that there may be a you know fairly even divide in the number of companies that use influencer marketing for a specific you know sales purpose versus just a branding brand awareness purpose. But yeah, very I think the, the industry might break into two at some point. Where if you're the type of brand whose the identity of the influencer is really important, like a fashion brand or something, you're still going to want to 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 focus on picking a person who's right on brand and the right color, the right uh, not color, the right um, palette of person and then um, I think in the um, other side if you're a company like you know a gaming company or you're really going to be focused or like direct to consumer sales you'll care a lot more about can this person create revenue for me yeah and, exactly. and it's less about their identity yep and that actually brings us to another point um, we asked again micro influencers are more effective than Larger influencers, do you agree or not agree? We hear a lot about micro-influencers lately. Um, but actually, what, what we see is that a significant amount of respondents held that they are highly effective, but about a third were pretty ambivalent, which means they may not even be exploring the possibility of micro-influencers yet. I think it's so hard to do because getting scale is really tough. You don't have the right technology next to you. Right. And most of the brands can't afford the type of technology that 
um, would allow them to activate micro-influencers at the scale that really makes a dent on their business. Right. And then fraud is, again, mm-hmm. a major concern uh, for the people we surveyed. Not a big surprise, but, you know, about 60% of people call uh, fraud a concern they completely agree is huge or somewhat agree is a huge problem. Uh, we actually, you know, we heard about this... Um, what was her name? She was an influencer that got kind of outed for having a fake wedding proposal yeah. recently. We actually ran some analytics about her in the platform, and we found that her audience health, a new metric that we've developed, is very low. Um, it was about 50%, which shows that she, you know, not only is she kind of using these scammy tactics to get brand partnerships, but her audience following is, is very low, very poor, likely to be fraudulent. I don't see the big deal. Kim Kardashian made like $18 million dollars getting married to that basketball player and then divorcing him like 45 days later and nobody, you know, nobody had Double anything standards. to say about that. Yeah. I think if you're going to get married, do it the fake way on the, um, on, and make sure everybody sees. Uh, but anyway, some of these people, you know, it's kind of interesting that you really live online and, and, and you want to share it. And um, so much pressure to create content that I can almost, I can almost like, be in the, in their minds when they were like, he's like, will you marry me? She was like, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> Bob, can you get this on? Did you get the uh, right angle? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I can totally see it. You know, one last thing before we go. Uh, so Crop Group is hiring a digital influencer account executive. One of the things that I like to track, it's my favorite metric, nobody follows this, is how many influencer marketing job offers there are on Indeed.com. So I checked a few days ago, there's 7,700 jobs for people with influencer marketing titles. That's not from zero around early 2015. So I track this metric. You know, the, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the ten thousand celebration when it happens. Uh, it's just my my own little like. Uh, who cares about Google searches? How many jobs are there? And it tells you how many people are bringing this in house. So, um, if you're a younger person, kind of think about marketing career and and, and a place to be uh, focused on. Influencer marketing is up and coming. There's gonna be a lot of opportunities. You might want to make sure you are an expert on the subject. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, guys. That's it for us today. Check us out. Check us out online, LinkedIn, Twitter, or hyperbrands.com.